from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. podcast episode 206 the kessel run star wars i'm your host ryan and welcome back everyone yes i know it has been a while since i've put out an episode i know it's been over a month i do apologize for that for those of you who have uh, joined patreon and heard the latest episode from there uh, i went into some great details to what kind of caused it basically just life got in the way things some good things were happening it wasn't all bad um some good good things were happening um, but had some things that kind of just threw my routines, my schedule off, uh, things that I'd gotten used to and everything just kind of left me kind of out of sorts and really just, I just needed time. That's what it was. And then after just a little bit of time, I was like, okay, I'm going to get back to recording. And then it was a matter of, okay, uh, you know, I want to cover this. I want to cover this. Oh my God. I want to get back to doing videos. Oh my God. I want to get back to doing uh, some of the uh, Patreon stuff as far as like the Hal Jordan stuff. I want to get back to reviewing issues. I want to do some interviews. And it started feeling very overwhelming. So uh, it, it that kind of delayed me even more. Uh, I'm sure many of you guys are out there. When you start feeling overwhelmed by a lot of things that you want to do, even if it's stuff you love doing, like I love doing this show, it can kind of shut you down a bit. And that's kind of what happened for me. It was just, it wasn't that I didn't want to do this show. It wasn't that I didn't want to put material out for you guys. I just kind of shut down. It started, you know, just a little bit of time away from doing this allowed things to build up. And the more things built up, the more I felt like I can't catch up. And the more I felt like I couldn't catch up, the less I felt motivated to do episodes. Finally woke up out of that and said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to jump back in. And I cover what I cover, and maybe at some point I can go back and cover some of the other things I want to do. Uh, there will be some YouTube videos coming out soon. Uh, I have a few uh, ideas, a few things I want to cover on video. Uh, one is I do want to cover the special missions 
issues that have come out from a real American hero. I actually want to cover each individual issue as a video review. I am going to be doing a tribute. Uh, I mentioned this to the Patreon members. I am going to do a tribute to my pup because even though you guys know what's been going on as far as me losing uh, my dog and what that meant to me, and Patreon members know that, uh, the YouTube community out there, it might be some of you guys, but I also know there's some people that watch my YouTube channel that don't listen to the podcast, have no idea, and I've had a few people subscribe recently, and I've had a couple of people make comments saying, more videos, please, you know, where, where have you been, uh, and I want to let them know kind of what was going on, so I'm kind of doing an uplifting video when it comes to my dog, not just like a sad type thing, so stay tuned for that, but uh, right after doing that, there's going to be some comic reviews. I'm also going to give my thoughts on the new Thundercats cartoon that's coming out, uh, just because it feels like something I need to talk about, uh, and it might not. It might be a little surprising, uh, not all that surprising, but it might. There might be some surprises in there as far as what my thoughts on it are. But yeah, so so that's some of the stuff coming up. If you ever want to hear more of my thoughts, things going on in my life, uh, stuff like that, you know. I do, once again, want to promote the Patreon page. It's $3 a month, and you get extra episodes. I do feel more motivated to get episodes out, uh, and that's kind of what pushed me because I was still getting funding from Patreon members, and I was like, you know what? I need to get something out for them because they're paying money. Uh, not that those of you that don't pay money, don't contribute, like a lot of you guys do. I love it. I love the group page we have on Facebook. I love getting emails from you guys. I love getting voicemails and everything else. Um, so it was just like all of that kind of pushed me going, you know what, I got to get some content out there for everyone and I want to get back to doing it. It's not even so much like, oh, I want to get content out for you guys. It's also, do I want to do it? Because let's face it, if I don't want to do it as much as you guys might want me to do it, you're not going to get any good material out of me if I don't feel eager to do it. So uh, again, I apologize for taking me so long to get an episode out to you guys uh, there is more coming. I'm going to be recording another Patreon episode uh, probably this coming weekend. I'm going to record another episode of the regular Star Joe's podcast soon. Uh, going to do a solo movie review. I have an interview uh, lined up. I uh, just have to work out a date uh, to, to record that. Uh, so there's a lot of awesome things coming. So again, apologize I've been gone for a while, but hopefully I can make up for that time with a lot of content that's going to be coming out. Uh, but with that being said, I don't know how long this episode will be, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be going back to the Star Wars uh, Marvel run, the original Marvel run, and we're going to be covering issue number 12 of that Star Wars series. I uh, thought it's kind of timely, especially with the Solo movie coming out, and I would urge anyone who is on the fence of seeing the Solo movie to go see it. Uh, I know there's very, very mixed reviews when it comes to The Last Jedi, and you guys know that I loved it, and I know there's a lot of you guys out there that did not, like, absolutely hated it, thought it was horrible, thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars. That comment I don't really understand at all, but, because believe me, I can point out a few of the things that were probably the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars, uh, Holiday Special comes to mind, and if you are going to tell me that the Holiday Special was better than The Last Jedi, then you and I cannot ever talk ever again, because that's absolutely impossible. Um, so, like I said, if you didn't like The Last Jedi, if you absolutely abhorred The Last Jedi, I urge you to not let that taint you from going and seeing Solo, because Solo is a very different type of Star Wars movie in the, uh, from what The Last Jedi was. Solo, is, the best way I can put it, Solo is a fun movie. Like, if you 
want to recapture the fun you felt from the original trilogy when you were a kid, or even if you were, you know, loved the prequels because they were fun for you and that was your generation. That's what Solo did. It has a lot of mythos. It it really develops the origin. And I know we didn't need a Han Solo movie. Don't give me that crap. We didn't need the prequels. We didn't need the movies that came afterwards. We didn't need a lot of this stuff. We didn't need the original movies to come out. But um, but it, regardless of if you didn't need the Solo movie to come out, it is worth going and seeing. It is a lot of fun. Introduces some new cool characters. It adds to the mythos completely, uh, and it is just a fun movie. Like, you will walk out of it feeling like you had a good time. And if you don't, then I don't know what you want in a movie to have a good time. You might be just being too overly critical because it's a Star Wars movie instead of anything else. Uh, It's not perfect. No movie ever is perfect. I actually get kind of tired of people saying that, so I'm sorry that I said it, but... It is a fun time. Like, like I said, if you go into it with just normal expectations or even low expectations, something like that, you're going to walk out going, wow, that was way better than I expected because that's how I walked out of it. I walked into it going, I don't know about this one. And I walked out of it going, wow, that was a lot of fun and I really want to see it again. It is definitely going to be a movie I can watch multiple times and have a great time watching it every single time. So, uh, And I'm not just saying that as a fanboy. I honestly mean it. It's not just, ooh, Ryan likes Star Wars, so he likes everything. No, that's not the case. So um, so like I said, I urge you to go see it. I know it's not doing well, and I know that's caused some possibilities of other movies and all that. I'm not saying it because I want other movies to come out. I'm saying it because I honestly think it's a good movie. I think it's worth your money to go see it. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, like I said, this probably won't be a very long episode, uh, but I do have some thoughts when it comes to, uh, issue 12 here. Uh, some really cool things happen in this issue. So we're going right into it with, uh, Star Wars issue 12. The cover says Luke and the droids trapped on Doom World. So this is the Doom World saga or story arc when they've collected the Marvel run in the past and trades and everything else there was always one trade that was called Doom World, and it typically contained more than just the Doom World story, but it was always titled Doom World. So, like, if you ever seen that from old Marvel Run stuff, that it, we're in the middle of that story arc right here. So, uh, on the cover, we have Luke. He's holding a lightsaber that is actually red, uh, and that is an error. <laughs> I can't say that it's done intentionally. There's absolutely nothing in this story or in the stories that precede it to say that Luke should have had a red lightsaber. Uh, he's not a Sith. He did not steal it from Darth Vader. None of that. It's also imp- interesting because uh, in the top left corner where they usually put like a little figure and stuff like that uh, under the uh, the numbering and everything uh, is Luke Skywalker. And there he's holding a red lightsaber as well. So I, I don't know. Attention to detail. I don't know if that was very high back then. Um, I think they were just trying to put out the funny books, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. But um, as time goes on through the series, if they kind of correct that. But uh, we have, and I'm sure they got letters uh, from people because back then there wasn't internet, so I'm sure they got letters from people saying, you know, you know, the I can only imagine if this issue came out today, uh, you know, you'd get the fanboys going, um, excuse me, but uh, Luke's lightsaber is blue and you have it red. This is crap. I'm not going to read it anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but it, it, they have it read here and it's 
fine. You just run with it. So, um, but we have what looks like they remind me of the um, oh god, what the Legion of uh, Paper Boys or something like that. It was the uh, oh my god, it was from DC Comics and the Newsboy Legion. That's what I'm looking for. There's this group that are that have Luke held at gunpoint that remind me of the Newsboy Legion, uh, and and there's even like a, a guy wearing a helmet, which kind of reminds me a little bit of Sergeant Rock. It's just it's funny, but they're holding guns towards them and they're like, "We want those robots, bo uh, boy, and that lightsaber can't stop all of us." So then we turn the page uh, and just to let you know, I'm going through the Star Wars uh, original Marvel Years Omnibus. Uh, it is was the one released by Marvel uh, just a few years back. And I had this these stories in the Dark Horse released ones, which were omnibus editions, but they were like smaller versions. They, they weren't full comic page size, uh, which I never really liked that. Uh, I know Dark Horse years previous to that had released full-size trade paperback collections, and I don't, I don't know if they got through the whole run of Star Wars, but they got through like a good chunk of them. I had quite a few of them. I think I had like about five volumes of them. Those were full size ones, and I think I've passed, I passed those along years ago to uh, some family members. And but I got the the nice hardcovers now. Marvel is currently re-releasing this entire series in full size trades right now. So that if you're someone that didn't want to pay for the omnibus editions, there was three omnibus omnibuy boob omnibuses uh that came out that are the big hardcover ones if you and i know those can be pricey if you didn't want to have those they are currently coming out with the trade paperback versions so i would say definitely get those these old marvel issues are well worth getting they've also done ones like uh the newspaper ads and or newspaper not newspaper ads newspaper strips and stuff like that that have come out, uh, the Marvel UK ones. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Star Wars comics from back way back then that some of that I didn't even realize or didn't remember came out. Like the UK stuff, I knew that they did UK stuff. I never have read any of it, and I didn't know they were going to release it, which I'm so glad they did. Uh, and then there was the newspaper strips, which, again, I kind of knew that they did. I didn't remember how long it went, but they released those as well. Um, I just recently got from, not to go on a, too much of a tangent, but I just recently got from a, a Kickstarter uh, by Philip Reed, who has done several of these types of books for Star Wars. He also did a G.I. Joe one at one point. But this was, uh, and it, it, he's done books. They're, they're nice little hardcover books that are very inexpensive, which I really like as well. But he he's done ones on, like, Star Wars action figures. Uh, like, he did one for just Shadows of the Empire. Uh, which was awesome, and it just goes over the action figures and the phenomena and all that type of stuff. This is one that he did, which is called Taking Un an Unofficial Look at Star Wars Newspaper Advertisements, 1977 to 1985, and it's literally reprints of, like, newspaper ads and different, like, magazine advertisements, so you, you have stuff like the Wish Books and uh, just, you know, it's really cool to kind of see what they did for advertisements and how they uh, printed them. Some some is in black and white, some of it's in color. Uh, but it's really cool stuff, and it brings back a lot of nostalgia. I would highly recommend checking out any of Philip Reed's books. I don't know if they're available on Amazon, but I know he's done 
several Kickstarters in the past. I'm sure he's going to be doing another one in the near future. And a lot of times with his Kickstarters, you can get past books that he's done as part of your rewards package and everything else. So uh, I want to get him on the show. I know I've communicated with him once or twice about coming on the show, and he's all for doing it. Uh, I just really, really love what he's done when it comes to these, because they're just like these nice little hardcover books, and uh, they bring back so much nostalgia and everything else. Um, and so I, anytime, and if I remember when I see other Kickstarters of his in the future, I'll make sure to post them on the Star Joe's group page and fan page, so this way you got on Facebook, so this way you guys can see, and that'll transfer over to Twitter and stuff like that as well. But this way you can kind of see some of the stuff he's done, and you can also check out, uh, you know, hopefully get some of these books that he's done because they're really cool. And like, so I love finding out, getting all the stories for reference stuff and, and be able to read those. But I also love getting this stuff like newspaper ads and uh, just, you know, those those little fold out cards and everything else that you'd get with the action figures that showed like, here's all the other figures in the wave that just came out. And so all that stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in that, you know, just even looking at the back of like file cards and everything else. One thing I still want somebody to do, and I haven't seen it done yet, is I really, really, for G.I. Joe, I really want a book that is, especially like a hardcover book would be awesome, but of any book I'll take at this point, of all the file cards. Like every file card from every Joe that was ever produced, and I don't care if you do it in multiple volumes or how you do it. But I just want a book that has all the file cards and I can just read the file cards. And I would love that for Joe. I would love that for Star Wars one because I know they didn't really do file cards for Star Wars, but they always had descriptions with a picture on the back of the, uh, the, the card and everything else. They had that. I would love one for He-Man Masters of the Universe, especially the DC class or not the DC classics, but the Mattel classics line that they did. There was like a whole just history of that character on the back there. I would love just to have that with the art next to, uh, next to it with the, of the character and everything. So anything that's done that, I would love to see books that come out that have those file card and that file card information. I know we've mentioned that on the show in the past, but it just still hasn't happened. So, uh, so that's a fun little tangent now before we get into the story. So let's jump into the story of Doom World. Uh, this is, uh, part two or three of the whole Doom World saga. Um, but we have, it is, um, uh, it says, continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas. Uh, and the writer and editor is Archie Goodwin. The artists are Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin. Uh, the letterer is John Costanza. The colorist is Janice Cohen. And the consulting editor is Jim Shooter. So I think Jim Shooter was there so this way, Archie Goodwin had someone to bounce things off of, so he wasn't only editing himself. So uh, it opens up with just a little kind of synopsis there, which I'll go ahead and read, just to kind of bring you guys all back up to speed. It says, the Rebel Alliance has sent Luke Skywalker to find a new location for their main base after the Battle of the Death Star. But here, on this unnamed planet of the star sun Drexel, Luke has found instead what may be for him and the two droids, R2-D2 and C-3PO, a doom world. So uh, we open up and we have Luke is floating around in an escape pod or a life pod uh, with 
C-3PO peeking his head out. And they're watching, in the last issue, there was uh, the serpent that came up and was coming at them. But then another serpent came up with a rider on it. And that rider was kind of like, looked like he was about to do battle. But what we actually see here is that rider is actually able to control both sea serpents. And he's guiding the other one that he's not riding to like kind of push the ship that Luke and 3PO and R2 were on previously. Um, and... Luke is, you know, uh, talking with 3PO, but 3PO gets distracted uh, because R2-D2 is saying that there is uh, some mechanized craft coming into the area. And 3PO is like, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe the water's getting to him because I don't uh, perceive anything. And Luke's like, hold on. Uh, behind us on the horizon, there comes uh, three uh, hydrocraft. And he's like, I don't really know what they're called here, but they kind of remind me of the land speeder that I used to whip around in, in uh, on Tatooine. And three people felt that that was a rather awkward analogy since there isn't any land anywhere. It's like three people always takes things just a little too literally. Um, but uh, I love the reference of the land speeder. It's one of my favorite vehicles uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I have the six inch version of it now, uh, the black series six inch scale one. And I have the uh, vinyl pop one, so like, and I have a Lego version of it too. So, absolutely love the Land Speeder. Uh, never went back and got a vintage one again. I, I certainly would like to probably get one at some point. Uh, but it's it's just such a cool, fun vehicle and so simple too, but still a lot of fun. Um, and Luke is pointing out that whatever they are, these vehicles that are coming, they are armed. Uh, and he's afraid of them getting caught up in the middle of them and these serpents, and sure enough, they do. Uh, we see that the rider of the one serpent, he uh, guides the two serpents to go diving so they don't get blasted. The one serpent comes up and bashes one of the craft that's gliding over the water and takes it out. A second vehicle comes around uh, to circle the serpent and starts shooting at it, but just as it's doing that, uh, the other serpent comes up that has the rider on it and attacks that vehicle. And I find it kind of interesting, too, because as it comes out of the water, there's a little bit of just a little bit of inconsistency in how it's drawn because it looks way different as it's fl uh, flying out of the water than it did in panels previously and stuff. So um, I don't know, maybe it just it can change a little bit so that it can actually attack or ram something. Uh, but we find out that uh, what's writing is referred to as a dragon lord, and we find out a little bit more about them uh, later. But that takes out the second skimmer. Uh, but just as it's taking out the second skimmer, the third one uh, opens fire and blasts uh, at that serpent, and it chases the this both serpents away uh, because they just realize they're not going to be able to take on that many uh, ships at one time. Uh, and they go ahead and they make a comment in here that uh, stop firing, they're out of range, running off like whipped womp rats. So we're still making cool references to the original Star Wars movies. Uh, I don't know how they know about womp rats on this planet because it seems like it's all water and womp rats don't really live in water. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> so uh, the those people that were in the uh, skimmers that got knocked over, they're floating in the water and they, they're like, you know, we're going to be in trouble because we lost two skimmers and we got nothing to show for it. 
Uh, but one of the guys that's in the skimmer that survives says, you know, there's something bobbing out there and it's gleaming like metal. So maybe this wasn't a total loss. They shoot their grapplers out and it's the life pod that has Luke and 3PO on it. They uh, are pulling them in and 3PO says, uh, or Luke says, 3PO, I think we're rescued, like it or not. And 3PO says, why is it, sir? I have a f- the feeling it's going to be not. Uh, obviously, there hasn't been the tradition yet with Star Wars to say I've got a bad feeling about this, but that would have been a perfect place for 3PO to use that line. Um, so the skimmer's pulling them in, and uh, one of the guys says it's an uh, iron stew pot that still has a few pieces of meat in it, and one of them's wearing a metal suit, and someone points out, like, you haven't been paying attention to your off-world lore. Uh, that's not a suit. That's actually a robot, and there's a smaller one that's also a ro- robot. And... So this gives us some idea that these guys, at least most of them, have not been off of this planet. They have, you know, vehicles and everything else, but they have not been off planet yet. And so it's almost like Waterworld Earth, uh, even though it's a bad reference for Waterworld since that wasn't the most wonderful movie in the world. But it's kind of what it is. It's kind of like Earth in the sense that, you know, we have vehicles here on Earth, but we really haven't gone off world to visit other planets, you know, at least manned planets or anything like that. Uh, or I say, should say manned explorations, uh, to other planets. Um, at least not yet, but, uh, they point out that the, uh, maybe the governor that they work for, uh, will forgive them for losing skimmers. If they take back, uh, some uh, break down the droids down to components and everything, uh, which I would think that they would be worth more as droids uh, or as robots, as they're being called here, um, as whole pieces. But I guess maybe they feel like there's circuit boards or something like that that can actually be useful to them versus keeping them as robots. Uh, Luke steps in the way, flashes his red lightsaber, and they point out that uh, that they recognize it's a lightsaber, and they say uh, the bare-faced little pup is a Jedi. So evidently they do know about Jedis on this planet. Uh, which, if you remember, at, by the time A New Hope has happened, the Jedi are all but extinct. And they uh, they are kind of seen as myth and lore at that point. So the fact that people on this planet recognize a lightsaber and recognize the name Jedi and everything uh, really kind of says, as far as maybe how, out of touch with the rest of the universe, they are at this point. Uh, Luke is having some nostalgia about Obi-Wan Kenobi because he's like, I'm not a Jedi, but... I still feel like Ben is with me. Uh, They decide that, uh, well, initially they decide that maybe they can all take Luke on if they all attack from multiple sides. R2-D2 helps to prevent that from happening by releasing some lubricant out, which causes one of the uh, pirates here to slip and fall, and then gives Luke an opening where he can take out another uh, guy, which he's actually takes out the craft's helmsman, uh, so kind of losing control of the skimmer there, and he holds him at bay with his uh, lightsaber, so this way he's like, uh, I can take out all the controls here and make them all molten lump if you don't back off, and he's like, take me to your governor, so they agree to do so. Uh, then we open up to the next page, and we have this huge ship. Uh, it's actually kind of multiple ships, but there's one major ship, and we have like kind of huts and you know houses and such built up on like the mass of 
the ship and on the base of it and everything else. It reminds me a little bit of the Ewok Village. It it has kind of this of a similar feel to it and everything else. And obviously, this is years before Return of the Jedi came out, but it kind of has some of that feeling. You have like uh, rope bridges and everything else going on and uh, ways to connect them all to each other. But they've got kind of this like mossy hut looks uh, homes to all built onto it and everything else. But it's a really cool image. I really like the artwork on this. Uh, so they get back and. They're going to meet uh, Governor uh, Quarg, and they come in, and Governor Quarg notices that there are short two skimmers, so he orders for all of the traitors to be hanged. Why they're traitors, I don't know. Uh, I understand they're incompetent, <laughs> but they're not necessarily traitors unless you knew that maybe they gave away the skimmers or something like that to the enemy. Uh, but we find out that uh, this group of pirates is actually at war with the Dragon Lords. So initially they refer to the one guy that they were fighting against as a Dragon Lord. Uh, so initially you kind of think, okay, it's, there's one guy that's known as a Dragon Lord. He controls serpents and everything else. But in, in reality, there's a bunch of Dragon Lords, and that's who these guys are up against. Uh, and so I found that interesting. I don't know if we see the Dragon Lords again in the future. I just feel like that's something that would be kind of cool to explore a little bit. Uh, and kind of build that world and build that mythos up of like what's going on, on this planet. Again, back then it was kind of just tell a fun story and kind of keep moving things along. Things weren't revisited too much when it came to uh, to stuff like this. It was kind of like, okay, the Dragon Lords, we need an enemy, so we made the Dragon Lords, and now we don't need them anymore because it helped get us to this point, so we don't need to revisit it. I hope we do, and like I said, I hope that we kind of see more about what's going on on this world, but I don't know if we will. Um, so he wants everyone, uh, Governor Quark wants everyone hanged, uh, but they point out, wait, Your Honor, uh, we actually have uh, some robots here that we believe are worth more than some broken down skimmers that weren't really going to last for another mission anyways. Uh, he says, well, let's see what you have, and then I'll decide about you. And Luke steps up and says, uh, Governor Quark, you'd better hear me out before you decide anything. I don't think there's a soul on this whole floating mess of yours who knows what these droids are really worth and in one piece. And 3PO is very happy to hear that. Uh, Governor Quark says, who in the three moons is this? And they point out that he has a lightsaber and uh, just like one of the Jedi Knights. And he's, uh, Governor Quark says, there's far more to being a Jedi than that, or so my father always insisted. He likened them to warrior priests or wizards, which is how we know the Jedi. He says, but of course, he hated and feared them too. I'm not a fool like, like father, my rude young friend, but you've spurred my curiosity enough to hear you out. So he says, you know, we're, I'll listen to what you have to say, but if I don't like it, you're, you're still going to hang. And he's like, all right, well, Tell me why you're here and tell me, you know, how I would benefit. And Luke is thinking to himself, like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? He says, what I wouldn't give for to have Han Solo's, you know, gift of gab or to see the Millennium Falcon come swooping in to save the day again. And just as he's thinking that, uh, we find out that there's a Star Destroyer that shows up in the Drexel system right then. And uh, this is the... Star Destroyer that captured the Millennium Falcon that is actually run by Crimson Jack, who is a space pirate. So we're dealing with a lot of pirates in this issue. 
but we go into uh, seeing what Han Solo's been up to, which is he is plotting out uh, how to get to Drexel and how they're going to bluff uh, Crimson, how they bluff Crimson Jack to get them where they needed to be. Uh, and he's just like, you know, what? he says, I'm, I'm here, you know, in a really no-win situation, and it's all because of the princess and trying to rescue people and everything else. He's thinking, what I wouldn't give to be back to the days of being a smuggler and uh, dealing with disgruntled employee, employers like Jabba the Hutt. And Jabba the Hutt is still spelled with one T at the end of Hutt. Because, again, this is way before Return of the Jedi and before any of that is established. Uh, Crimson Jack comes in uh, the middle of his of Han Solo's thoughts. And he's like, uh, I'd hate to think my new partner has anything on his mind he's not sharing with me. And uh, he's Han Solo kind of distracts him by saying, you know, I was just thinking about, like, how did you actually acquire this, this Star Destroyer? And so we get a little brief synopsis of Crimson Jack talking about what happened. It was after a major uh, Rebel victory, and the Star Destroyer was just kind of creeping along, you know, struggling to get along. And uh, they decided, well, it's a perfect opportunity. They waited till the reactors on it went out, and they... Uh, had a couple TIE fighters sent out after them that they were easily able to, to, to uh, dispatch. And then they went ahead and uh, boarded the ship, and there was very little resistance. And then at first they were like, they thought they would just take what they needed and leave, but then they looked and realized that the, a lot of the damage was really superficial. So they started thinking, oh, a ship like this could be very beneficial. Han Solo points out, like, yeah, but there's still, like, a big cost when it comes to this. And Crimson Jack said, yeah, but there there was uh, people willing to fund us as long as they could get a piece of the profits, of uh, future profits. And Hansel points out that he's, the Crimson Jack's becoming more of a businessman than he is a pirate. And uh, Crimson Jack says he doesn't think there's anything wrong with that. He's like, I, I'm not really one for the uh, ambition of being a pirate. And... Uh, just as they're talking and thinking things, uh, all of a sudden there's a big commotion that happens and someone points out to Crimson Jack wants to know what's going on. And one of his crewmen says that Jolly's gone completely crazy. And Jolly is the female kind of right-hand man of Crimson Jack. Um, and I find it interesting because like all, you know, at this, at this time, like everyone that lives in space and works in space outside of those that we saw in the actual Star Wars movie you know, they have, especially these space pirates, they all have these tight clothes and they're very skimpy. Look like uh, They all look like they're wearing, like, swimsuits of some type. But uh, uh, Jolly even very much so. She kind of, her costume kind of reminds me of Starfire a little bit from DC Comics because it's just, it's very revealing. It's very open. Um, but she's blasting away at a bunch of guys and... Uh, they, you know, they were pointing out like, well, you were talking about kissing and we were just trying to oblige you. And here what we find out is she was actually talking about and she didn't want to reveal it at first. But she points out that she was talking with Leia about Han being kisser, a good kisser and everything. And then uh, when she finally reveals that that's what she's talking about, she slaps Han in the face. Crimson Jack points out that uh, it's like you really have a uh, power over women. And he's like, and Hansel says, I know, and I hope to lose it soon. Then uh, we get to the last panel on this page, and it talks about how uh, Chewbacca is actually in the Millennium Falcon, and 
he's uh, it refers to him as a certain 100-year-old Wookiee. Uh, he's finishing his assigned task. And this is interesting because in the new Solo movie, this does not spoil anything because it was in the trailer. At least, I mean, I realize if you haven't seen any of the trailers, it might spoil something, but come on. It's in the trailer that it's revealed that in the movie, Chewie is 190 years old. So in this comic, he's only referred to as 100 years old. Now, obviously, this comic wasn't really canon. It, it definitely, they pulled away from anything in this later on. Uh, this was just really done for fun at the time. But in this Marvel Universe, Chewie is about 100 years old. Uh, not too long after when the Solo movie would have taken place. Because the Solo movie, it seems like it takes place maybe like 10 years before A New Hope. Roughly around that time period. So with this, uh, so when A New Hope happens, he'd be about 200 years old. And this is taking place, this story is taking place just after A New Hope. And here he's marked as being 100 years old. So they're about 100 years off from each other. But I, I just found that interesting, cool, because, again, this was at no point was this Star Wars Marvel run considered, like, canon. I don't even know if people worried about, like, quote-unquote canon at the time. What is the real stories and what isn't? I think it was more so just, hey, here's a fun Star Wars story, and so I'm going to read it. And that's kind of how I approach a lot of Star Wars stories. Like, I realize a lot of the Dark Horse stuff now is not canon anymore. I realize a lot of the... Uh, Delray books that came out while Dark Horse was producing comics. A lot of those books are not considered canon anymore, and I know that a lot of the stuff that's coming out now is supposed to be canon, but that's going to have to change at some point because there's going to be mistakes made. It's just going to happen. You have so many comics coming out, you have so many books coming out, and I know you, they try to keep track of all of it, and I'll be very, and so far they're doing a great job. I'll be very impressed that they continue to not screw that up, but at some point it's going to get screwed up. You have so much stuff coming out, keeping track that this person doesn't override this person's stuff and everything else, is it's just going to happen at some point. So I like reading stories at face value, and if it goes against previous canon, that's fine as long as I enjoyed the story. Uh, this goes against what we now know in the movie canon, or the movie canon now goes against what we know here. I'm fine with either one because I really enjoyed the solo movie, and I really enjoy this Marvel run, so... Uh, but like I said, I like to, when I notice the differences, I certainly like to point it out. So the uh, space pirates that are watching over Chewie uh, are just like, look, I don't know what he's saying, but I'm not going to argue with him, but he just finished what he needed to do, so let's get out of here. Uh, then we turn to the very last page of this issue, and we have that uh, Crimson Jack is instructed that the planet that's in the Drexel system is one of water, so... It's not possible, the Rebels couldn't possibly have treasure there. So Crimson Jack pulls out a gun on Han Solo, and so does Jolly, and says, uh, I'm waiting to hear about this, but not very long. And Han Solo's like, Jack, everything's okay. Just get the princess up here, and I'll prove that to you. And he thinks to himself, or die trying. And we get next issue, Day of the Dragon Lords. So evidently we are going to learn more about the Dragon Lords, at least I hope so. Uh, I have not read issue 13 yet, so I'm kind of going issue by issue when it comes to this stuff, so I'm as surprised as anyone else. Uh, if you've never read the Marvel run, you're kind of on the ride with me. If you have read the Marvel run, then you know feel free to talk about it on the Facebook group page or fan page or anything like that. Uh, send an email or something talking about it. I'll read it on the air, but 
I am excited that we're going to see more about of the Dragon Lords and everything. Uh, I guess Crimson Jack's never heard of Sunken Treasure before, so uh, to think that a planet is a water world and that there can't possibly be any, be any treasure there. Uh, he probably also hasn't heard of, uh, you know, Mon Calamari, uh, because, or Mon Cala, because that was a water world and everything was pretty much under the water, so uh, I'm sure they have treasure and everything, but uh, I just find it interesting. It was it was a fun story, cool story, really good artwork. Uh, at least I really for its time, I really enjoyed the artwork. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for issue 12. I like I said, I really liked it. I had fun reading it. I did read this issue a couple times uh, just to make sure I was prepared for covering it with you guys. Um, I think I mentioned it last time. Interesting name of characters. You have Jolly, like Jolly Roger, when it comes to pirates and everything else. So, yeah, uh, tell me what you thought of issue 12. Uh, put it in the comments, like I said, either on Facebook or uh, send an email. Uh, I'd be happy to read that. Leave, call and leave a voicemail message. Uh, it's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Once again, I would like to thank uh, those that have contributed to Patreon, especially on the sponsorship level. So we have Jonathan Morgantini, who actually just started his own podcast. I believe he has three episodes out, maybe four at this point. Uh, it's called Just Roll With It. It's a Dungeons & Dragons-based uh, podcast where they're playing uh, a Dungeons & Dragons-style game using the world of Middle-Earth. So if you like Lord of the Rings and everything... I'm about halfway through the first episode. I really like it. There's some interesting personalities there that uh, you can tell are, are just starting to kind of develop who they are and everything. And uh, in the first episode, you're kind of finding out what characters they're playing and everything. So if you like Dungeons & Dragons and you like those role-playing games and being a part of those role-playing games, this is like listening to one of them uh, live. So I, like I said, I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, Matt Anderson, who always contributes to uh, the show being a success, uh, always is interacting with me. He doesn't have anything to promote right now, but he always contacts me after listening to an episode. We kind of talk back and forth and everything. Uh, ben Pensurga uh, has Movies in a Meal, and the links for all of these podcasts uh, and shows uh, for the sponsorship will be in the show notes. But check out Movies in a Meal. Uh, a lot of different cast of characters have been rotating in and out when it comes to that show. Uh, but it's all been really good. Uh, we have uh, Will Bell, who's uh, contributed. And he does a podcast called Dudes in Toyland, where they talk about toy collecting and especially customizing. So uh, if you really like to customize uh, stuff, then I would check out Dudes in Toyland. And just recently, we had Rock, our Good buddy Rock uh, contributed to Patreon to get some of the additional episodes, so I wanted to give him a shout-out and thank him. Uh, if you've never met Rock, uh, he is just an awesome guy. We, I met him years ago. He listened to the show. He interacted with us, and then we met, us, met him at Super Show the one year, so he's been a longtime listener. And then uh, he usually comes with us to Baltimore. He's going to be at Baltimore Con this year with us. So uh, he's just just a good dude. He's just a really good guy that like loves this stuff, loves people. He loves to interact with people. He'll tell you how he feels. He'll, he doesn't hold anything back. And sometimes that could be rough for some people because maybe they don't agree with his personality, but he doesn't hold like 
if you have a different point of view than him, that's fine. You know, just like we do on the show here. You might not agree with what he thinks about something, but he's not going to be nasty towards you about it or anything like that. He might come off a little gruff at times, but he he's like, hey, let's talk. Let's let's you know, let's let's have a conversation. Let's you know, he's just a good guy and he just wants good things. He's an awesome family guy. He's an awesome dad. So, Rock, thank you very much for contributing and helping make the show a success. Um, and thank you all Patreon members. And thank all of you that just listen to the show and those that interact on Facebook group. If if you want to become far, part of the Facebook group, you know, uh, just put in, look on Facebook, look up Star Joes. You'll find us. You'll find a fan page where you can like the fan page. You can ask to be part of the group page, and I'll prove it the second I see it. That group page is growing more and more every single week, and more and more people are contributing to it, which is just awesome. It's a really cool community. I'm typically posting uh, vintage uh, images of toys that I either had growing up or just ones I knew about growing up, and just I love hearing what other people's experiences have been when it comes to either having those or remembering them or anything like that. It's been a lot of fun. So. Uh, definitely become part of the group. If you want to see comics that I'm reading and what my thoughts are on those, uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, just look up Star Joe's on Instagram and you'll find it there. Uh, Twitter, you basically will get just about everything. You'll get any posts that uh, updates that I make on the fan page because those instantly go to Twitter. You'll see any re- anything I retweet. Every once in a while I see something, I go, oh, I want the fans to see this and I'll retweet it. Um, and then I'll also any of the comic reviews go right to Twitter as well. So you kind of see everything there, but yeah, that's everything. So, uh, please, you know, stay tuned. More stuff is coming. I had a lot of fun reviewing this issue with you guys. And with that, I'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care guys.